Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, experts, and moms around the world. Oh, anybody else have a doozy of a week? <laughs> right when I thought I was in the clear, then... uh our house was hit with a horrible, horrible stomach bug. Oh, yeah. Right when you think you're just crawling out of that hole, wham. Here's a great mom trick. In the spaghetti pot, clearly I don't cook, um, <laughs> you can put a trash bag, like I put a little kitchen trash bag, to line the pots so that uh, there's easier cleanup. There you go. I know that's why you come to me. So... This seemed like the perfect week to share part two of my conversation with Britta Bushnell. Now, if you haven't listened to part one, stick around. You can listen to part two afterwards. They're great standalone episodes, and I'll bring you up to speed. So we talk about the messiness and the goo and the metamorphosis that we go through, our transformation as mothers. And in part one, Britta talks about how butterflies... You know, you don't just pop out to be a butterfly, right? You're a caterpillar first, and it's like a really icky process, that transformation. And it's the same for us. She has a PhD in mythology, so she talks about like going into the underworld. And I kind of think of it also as like Joseph Campbell's hero's journey. Like you, you go through some really big battles that you don't want to, and you face the darkness of the night, and then you come through the other side transformed. And that's hard. And we're not talking about it. And Britta does such a beautiful job of explaining it to us in a beautiful way that brings in the mythology and brings in these metaphors. And I cannot get over the response. Like I uploaded the podcast and within six hours, I had so many messages from listeners. So here is a message from a listener. I asked permission to share this. She wrote, I just finished listening to The Mother's Journey, Confronting the Unknown, and I had to take a moment to write to you and say, thank you, thank you, thank you. This identity crisis, this goo stage, this labyrinth track is something I've been grappling with since the birth of my son, and I haven't found anyone else who is talking about this. I've kept so many feelings to myself because it made me feel guilty or ungrateful to mourn my past self. Hearing you and Dr. Bushnell talk about all of these things has provided me the comfort of knowing that I am not alone and all of these feelings are normal. Wow. I'm smiling because it makes me think of my doula. I had a crazy doula. She was like a Saturday Night Live character and she was wonderful. She was very, very funny. And whenever I would say, you know, I have this concern about you know, childbirth or I have this concern or this weird thing's happening in my pregnancy or when Eliza was born, I'd have a concern. Mostly, usually her response would be, you bore me with normal. (laughs) I love that. I think about that on a daily basis. Whenever I'm having a problem, there's a comfort in knowing that I'm not alone in it and that it's normal. And I hear my doula saying, you bore me with normal. So thank you to this listener and all of the listeners who reached out about the part one 
of this conversation. So for listeners who don't know, uh, our guest, Britta Bushnell, is a celebrated speaker, veteran childbirth educator, and expert in guiding audiences to revolutionary new approaches to childbirth, relationship, and parenting. Utilizing the timeless disciplines of cultural mythology and ritual preparation, Britta challenges unseen preconceptions and helps audiences cultivate new ways to approach life's most important transitions. So a really big question we got to towards the end of our conversation was, how do we deal with all of this, right? This huge transition that we're going through, this metamorphosis, how do we relate to our partners? Because clearly a lot of moms are feeling frustrated in their relationships and it's the mental load. It's the needing to remember the pediatrician appointments, the play dates that were on the last night diaper. You know, actually, Adam was always much better at that one. But it's all of that mom guilt, too, right? Like the expectations that are so much higher for moms. So Adam was out of town last week shooting a movie in Atlanta. So I was solo momming. And I was like messing up left and right. And it was like, fine, but I'd get annoyed with myself. Like if I were my own nanny, I would fire me instantly. So, (laughs) but on the other hand, if you're the dad, it's like if you show up at a birthday party and the gift's still in a shopping bag, it's like, oh, that's charming. Like, look, the dad came. But if the mom does that, it'd be like, whoa, I think she's having a rough time. Uh, And I'll tell you all, I am, I am having a rough time. (laughs) I've been... Thinking, though, about this relationship uh, schism lately as more than just like the division of labor and all the extra work that goes into parenting. And I think it's because of what Britta Bushnell shares in part one of our conversation where we're going through this extreme and oftentimes not pretty transformation as mothers. So how do we deal with that? Because I think that's part of the tension is that we are changing in such a drastic way and we don't really know how to uh, bring our partners on board or bring them up to speed. So our bodies are changing and our brain chemistry is also changing. I found an article. I was geeking out. I found an article in The Atlantic from 2015 by Adrienne LaFrance. It's what happens to a woman's brain when she becomes a mother. So I'll read this little part. Even before a woman gives birth, pregnancy tinkers with the very structure of her brain, several neurologists told me. She continues to write, After centuries of observing behavioral changes in new mothers, scientists are only recently beginning to definitively link the way a woman acts with what's happening in her prefrontal cortex, midbrain, oh, I can't say this word, parietal lobes. I'm embarrassed. There's so many doctors who listen to this podcast. Okay, and elsewhere. Gray matter becomes more concentrated. Activity increases in regions that control empathy, anxiety, and social interaction. On the most basic level, these changes prompted by a flood of hormones during pregnancy and in the postpartum period help attract a new mother to her baby. In other words, those maternal feelings of overwhelming love, fierce protectiveness, and constant worry begin with reactions in the brain. It's like, it reminds me of those anti-drug commercials. It's like, you're cracking an egg. It's like, this is your brain on baby. So yes, everything changes for us. And everything changes for us too. You know, obviously there's a whole other set of challenges that come along with being an adoptive parent. You know, this isn't only for biological mothers. Everything changes for us. And, 
you know, to be fair to our partners, they're also exhausted and stressed and so much of their lives have changed too. Like Adam, I, I know what he'd look like as a president now because he is, he's gotten so much more gray hair. <laughs> and it, and yet it can still feel like we're on different planets. You know, it, it's kind of like when, when you're, when you're studying abroad in Europe and your stateside boyfriend like meets you for spring break and he's wearing this yellow visor that looked really cute or like when when you were like on campus in America but now he's wearing it to the Louvre and you're like Ugh. and you're like man I have changed so much and this is a different life now and God, you're still wearing that yellow visor you know what I'm talking about guys right you totally know what I'm talking about I'm sure this has happened to all of you <laughs> God uh, I wonder if my doula would say you bore me with Roma with that one. Anyway, so after sharing part one in uh, in early February, I felt like I was hitting my stride. And then after a series of events, oh my God, just this past week was hell, guys. Uh, it feels like things are getting unglued again. Um, I'm back in the goo. And I was really thinking about the critical voice in my head and how much of an energy suck it is and what a buzzkill and how I need to really be on high alert for it, that critical voice, because that's also the voice that it like messes with my relationship, because that's the voice that's saying like, I wish you were doing this with your time instead, or I wish da 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 da, like in my head, I'm thinking that that critical voice isn't me. And I've been aware of it for a long time. But uh, when you're really exhausted and Oh man, just so much going on. It, it it like flares up. It almost gets like more power. It's like Ursula when she gets like really, really big after stealing Ariel's voice. <laughs> anyway, so yes, my family got the stomach flu. I'm flying to Chicago for 24 hours to see my mother. Well, no, I'm going with my mother to see my grandmother, and it's probably going to be for the last time. Uh, and it'll be my first time away from Eliza. And Adam's going to take care of both girls on his own. Uh, wish us all luck. Um, all right. Here is part two of my conversation with Britta Bushnell. Go ahead and subscribe on iTunes, iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms, so that you can get an update when next week's comes out. Sir Ken Robinson's going to be our guest next week on the podcast. He has the most watched TED Talk ever. It's uh, Do Schools Kill Creativity? Just Google it. Most watched TED Talk ever. New York Times bestselling author of The Element. And he's here to talk to us about our children, about starting an education revolution and his new book, You, Your Child and School, Navigating Your Way to the Best Education. All right, everybody. I'll be right back with Britta Bushnell with part two of our conversation. We're talking about relationships. I think the, in terms of relationship, um, it's it's really tricky. I mean, one of the things that well, I'm I'm a big if you haven't figured this out already, I'm a big metaphor girl. Mm-hmm, I like me my I like my me metaphors. Too. I love them, and I end up mixing them all up. Oh, so like, here, yeah. we, you know, I just do metaphor stew. But one of my favorite metaphors is the idea of pregnancy, uh, childbirth, and and new parenthood, or whatever the journey is into new parenthood. That the one who is going to be the primary caregiver, so the one who is and, – and often the, the one who is going to be nursing the child or feeding the child predominantly 
is the water of a river. So they're in that place that is changing all the time, like they're ebbing and flowing. And like a river, you know, sometimes it's super calm on top, but gushing and moving super fast underneath, but you can't even tell. It goes through rapids. It has eddies where it just chills out and hangs out, and it's splashing all over the place. And that's what that partner needs to be. But in order for that to happen, in order for that person to be able to be in that tumultuous, ever-changing element of water, they need banks. They need something that contains and responds. And now we're not talking L.A. riverbanks, you know, <laughs> where, where that have concrete yeah. and yeah. say this is the way the water's flowing because I'm concrete. Right. This, is, this is responsive energy. And I think that it's important for both partners to understand that often the the non-primary nurturer needs to be the banks, is in that place of holding the ever-changing, fluid, evolving water that is that early parenthood piece, and doing so with responsiveness. Again, not L.A. riverbanks, but, but with um, shifting and adjusting and, and responding and not expecting that both people are going to just be uh, – some are going to be a little water, some are going to be a little mud. That ends up being swampy. It's like there's an – and that doesn't work. You don't get anywhere when you're both trying to be everything. And so – We do a lot of that. Right. And it gets swampy. But how do we do this? Because we're being cool right. co-parenters totally. and he's super hands-on as a dad. Totally. But and then this there's, is, a yes. there's a power struggle that happens. Yes. And and I think I erode him a little bit if we're going with the metaphor. <laughs> right. And and what's tricky is because often a lot of primary parenting is actually banky. It's very banksy. You know, you're having to be <laughs> the banks to your kid who is also just yes. oh, oh my majorly God. Yes. water. Majorly water. And so it's hard to then be in a in a dynamic, polarized, energized, romantic relationship with your your partner if you've been like holding all of this order, all of this banks, all of this energy. And so to to find ways to tap back into your water element as a mom is really helpful. And I like to say when when I work with my my group, my postpartum groups, we talk about everybody wants to talk about sex and jump right into sex. And how do I, how do, you know, ugh, I don't want to talk about, I don't want to do mm-hmm. sex. I don't want to have, you know, this. And yet they want the intimacy with their partner. They want to feel connected with their partner. But you can't go straight from being this, this bank's energy with your child to jumping in and being in the water space with your partner, you need to take some time to reconnect with your own relationship to your body and yourself. It's hard to be connected, and I I know I'm rambling a little bit here, but it's hard to be connected with your partner when you haven't connected with yourself. And that's the piece. It's like I want to encourage uh, new parents to take time to connect with their own sense of sensuality, you know, with with their body, with their senses, like one of the assignments that I give is to take a bath. And this sounds sort of silly, but take a bath, set it up, light a candle, 
maybe some music, warm water, maybe a special soap, climb into the bath, have somebody else be with your child, and spend the time in the bath noticing what you are feeling. Feel your skin. Notice what you smell. See what you see. Listen to the music. Like reconnect with yourself as a being rather than as a, a parent. Because when we connect, we, we can't go from being really in deep relationship with our partner when we're not in deep relationship with ourself. And so in your question about how do I engage with my partner in this place, I would say take small steps to connect with yourself so that you have something in your own tank to connect from. If you don't exist, you can't connect with another person. I agree and because, well, it's the truth. But then what about the partner feeling like there's – because I – I can just hear men in the world. Like, I just feel, I feel like I can hear they're it right there. now. They're, yes. they're saying, like, well, but there's no time for me. And what happened to our relationship? Because now it's just about the kids or you're off doing yoga or you're with your friends or you're, you know what I mean? Like, that whole thing that comes up about when mothers do decide to take time for themselves again to – you just say like, hey, buddy, this is the first act where I have to get back in touch with myself and then we can. So there's a couple of things. Saying? Yes, I, I think it's really important. I'm so glad you asked this question. Um, one is I think that's part of their underworld journey is that no longer being that primary person for a bit. Right. And one of the things that I say to partners is often um, – when we come into early parenthood, there's prior to coming into or deciding to take the path of parenthood, there's one partner who is more the caretaker of the relationship. Mm-hmm. The one who says, hey, let's go see a movie or let's go have dinner or, hey, let's, you know, have just dinner, the two of us. And often that person is the one who's later going to give birth, mm-hmm. Right. And the caretaker of the relationship often has to shift. Now, I'm, there's always differences to everything. But in terms of shifting into new parenthood, the one who is the primary parent cannot also be the caretaker of the relationship. Okay. Which – because the jobs it, – it, there's no room in, yes. the, in the workday anymore. Right. And so to have that shift to – so like in your case – your husband, mm-hmm. to say, okay, I want you to watch for our relationship. I want you to help us make sure that we're giving it time and energy. So I like to think of relationship as its own entity. There's you, there's your husband, and then there's the third, which is your relationship. It's like there's your individual needs, there's his individual needs, and then there's the needs of the relationship that is its own independent thing. And somebody has to watch out for that and make sure that it's getting attention. And so I, I tend to like to have that be dad or the non-primary parent person say, hey, let's go have a date. Okay, let's go have a date. And the primary character is like, wait, I can't have a yeah. date. I can't. Blah, blah, blah. There might like, be resistance. There's Resistance is part of the water. Yeah. Okay. The yeah. water tries yeah. to push against the banks right. to find out if it's going to hold. 
Ooh. Yeah. Right. We do this. We do it all the time. We do this. We do this. But so how does it, because this is also giving me a flashback to when I was on modified bed rest and I was turning into a hermit because I didn't have the endorphins from exercise. I wasn't allowed to go out. I couldn't pick stuff up. I was looking at these boxes and boxes because we just moved and I couldn't pick. It's like it got depressing and I know that I cut myself off and I don't want to be social. My girlfriend Elizabeth picked me up and took me to see Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. And it was fantastic. When we are resisting the dates or we're resisting this stuff, even though we kind of know, like, de- down in that well, we're like, we probably should go up there, but it just feels like too much work. Oh, yeah. Like, what do the people at the top of the well say to get us out? Okay. So, I mean, I can speak very personally because my husband took this on. He, We had already done some work in this regard, and he knew, okay, I'm going to be guardian of the relationship. And That's so a beautiful he, way to put it. Yeah, guardian he was guardian of the relationship. He was just making sure that it was getting the attention it needed. And he was like, okay, we're going to have a date. And I was like, no, we can't have a date. I don't want to have a date. Like, who's going to be with the baby? And, then, and I went into all of the very classic. And he said, this is what I figured out. I'm going to have my mom come. She's going to be, you know, and we were fortunate to have his mom not too far away. I mean, not right around the corner, but close enough. She's going to come. She's going to be with the baby. Well, she's going to arrive, and he would lay it out. She's going to arrive early to make that transition. You can tell her all you need to know about, need her to know about what to do. Um, and then we're going to go around the corner. And we did. We went just around the corner to the closest little, I mean, I live kind of up in a mountainy spot, but we went as close as we could go. And he said, we're going we're gonna to do this. We're going to be in this very close spot, and we'll, we'll only be gone an hour. And it was like baby steps. Mm-hmm. It was just baby mm-hmm. steps. And I've also known families who have just said, okay, tonight we're not going to just turn on the TV after we've put the baby down. We're going to actually sit with each other and look at each other and be in relationship with each other. That sounds kind of scary because yeah, – I know. People, because of the changing, right? So yeah. you're in a metamorphosis yeah. and it's like, here's the new me. Here's the new me. Ah! And that's and that's what part of that sitting together <laughs> is about reintroduction. It's kind of a reintroduction. Who am I now? And often the first times that you sit down together, what do you talk about? The baby. Mm-hmm. It's like all you end up talking about initially is the baby. But if you make relationship tending to the relationship a practice, that starts to shift and we start to remember ourselves as somebody other than our child's mother. We start to remember the thread from the upper world self that was lover, that was partner. You know, not right away, but we we need to keep going back to be reminded. Just a little bit, that practice. So it's like my husband saying, we're going to do this. you know. And it didn't mean that I was suddenly ready to be sexually intimate, you know, because sometimes there's that like, well, I'm not ready to go back yeah. on dates because I don't, you know, it's like mm. they're, they're independent. If anything, we're learning in this, you know, culture right now. So those are independent from one another. But intimacy, emotional intimacy is something that we can tend to. And... Getting that, you know, your friend who said, no, we're going to Wonder Woman. Here we go. Let's do this. It's that kind of of energy of saying, I'm the banks. I've got you. 
I've got you, but not from a place of being rigid, but, right. but being responsive. So in my case, my husband knew that my big concern was going to be who was going to be with our baby. And so he took care of that as best he could, even though I was still like, but I don't know, you know. He took care of that concern and then made it something I could step into. When you were Even though I resisted the entire time. Which is so great to hear. (laughs) Because I think moms need to hear that you can resist and resist and resist and still do it. Mm-hmm. Or that if yeah. if they feel if it, safe enough, yeah. If the desire to move towards connection and care for the relationship is important, you do find your way through some of that resistance. That isn't um, no; it's just resistance about uh, concerns, mm-hmm. concerns for the baby, concerns for those kinds of things. They're not. I would say they're they're resistances that are about the the what it will require, not a resistance usually to, to the, the con- yeah to the person and the connection. I'm getting this hit though that I had a guest on, um, and she has a book called "How Not to Hate Your Husband After Having Kids," Jancy Dunn, and it really hit a nerve. And it's written about all the time online, on Facebook, different moms suggesting it, and it's like there's so much anger towards. Our partners, and I, th- I'm feeling like it's because of this lack of trust. A lot of anger and lack of trust often comes from w- wanting our partner to do things a particular way mm. and to parent a particular way. Like there's that early parenthood piece where we're like, "Hey, hey, don't, don't, right. don't do that that way. Whatever yeah. it is, don't diaper that way. The don't eternal gatekeeping. Don't it's that gatekeeping yeah. piece." And one of the things that I think we really need to embrace and remember is that as as parents, there's two of them. If we're fortunate, we have two parents, right? And we do things differently. And to let our partner, our co-parent, have their way of doing things and our way of doing things, unless it is really specifically about you know, a a borderline issue of safety or something that's really edgy. But we do need to pick pick our battles, mm-hmm. you know, um, with with whatever it is. My my husband parents differently than I do. He does. And there are times when I'm like, oh, please, seriously, we're not doing that right now. Even now with, with I we have two teenage sons and I sometimes I'm like, hey, Brent, can you can you not be their best friend? Can mm. we be parents here for a second? That's our issue that we we have, and it's. But he's he's allowed to parent the way he needs to parent, and I parent the way I'm going to parent, and we don't have to be on the same page. There's this whole talk about being on the same page. I think it's awesome when we're in the same chapter, like that's helpful. We need to be in the same chapter. We don't need to at least be on the, the same, same genre. page. Yeah, <laughs> at least the same book. Can we just yeah. be in the same book? Okay, have we agreed that this is the book of how we parent? Okay, but you're going to be over here doing this, and I'm going to be over here doing that. And what you do and what I do might influence our children differently. But I think there's a um, – it's, again, kind of some of that surrender and letting go of control and certainty to be active – in trusting, in letting go of saying, 
okay, I can't control it all. I can't control how my husband does everything. I can't control. And I, I'm going to move into that place of how do I, how do I let them be enough? Now, there's, there's so much I could say about this, but there's, it's, we do need to let them off the hook and let ourselves off the hook. You know, we aren't, we aren't perfect. We, and, and we're learning and we're fallible and they learn and they're fallible. I mean, how often when parents are brand new parents is, um, you know, mom is like figuring it out and ca- trying to calm the baby and baby's crying and, and she's just in that place of, I'm going to, I'm going to figure this out because I'm the mom, mm-hmm. right? And the partner is trying to do that. And mom goes up and goes, just give them to me. Just give them to me. Instead of letting the partner do the same thing that we had to do, which was figure it out. Like we rescue them rather than letting them grow their own ability, their own parenting skin. Well, it also goes back to the nursing to you, touch the baby. or In the, like it, in the rescuing of them, we're also saying we don't necessarily trust that they can do it themselves. And that would breed insecurity. And that becomes a cycle because yeah. then they don't believe that they can do it. Right. And that you're the only one that can. And if and then they're going to be in that place that says, "Well, you do it because I yeah. can't," which moms want more help. Oh my God, one of the universal things that we hear <laughs> is we need more help. Mm-hmm. It's like, but we disempower those who actually want to try and figure out how to do it by taking away their ability to struggle. Yes. With taking a bath and reintroducing yourself to yourself and mm-hmm. Connecting with your partner, what are some things that we can do this to say like, hey, I've changed. I don't really know who I am now because I'm going through this crazy transformation as a mother. But here I am. Like it's so vulnerable to go back so vulnerable. Yeah. to the stripping away and everything. Because like, I'm sure there are a lot of mothers out there who are like, God, I'm so different than who I was when I got married. Because marriage isn't really the rite of passage. It isn't. Not in the um, same way. So how do moms sort of show, you know, like how can you be vulnerable yeah. to your partner again? Yeah. When you feel like you have to be vulnerable all the time with your baby and then so you get these defenses up because you feel so vulnerable. Baby steps. You know, I would say baby steps. And in, in terms of practical is to uh, invite a conversation that is different. To invite a conversation that says, I'm, I'd love to talk with you and con- I'd like to connect. Connect is a great word to say, I want, I want to be connected with you in who we are as, as a couple. You know, I want to come back to connecting as a couple and not just as co-parents and not just as, you know, roommates and business partners of life. And to be in that place where you can actually say, can we connect and find out what's happened for each of us through this process? And to to invite a conversation that is a little bit deeper, less about the mundane of life, but to be in that place where – and it, it you, the word vulnerability is, is a good one because it is vulnerable. And again, you don't have to wait to be fearless – to do this, you just have to be brave. 
to step in and say, okay, this is scary for me because I feel like a different person, but I kind of want you to know her because you mean something to me. I value you. You are my partner and I, and I want to nurture that too, but it's hard for me and I want to tell you a little bit about why that's hard for me. Something of that sort. You know, it's intimate. It's different for each person. But to, to invite a conversation that takes it to a different place. Special thanks to Britta Bushnell for this extended conversation. To learn more about her work, go to BrittaBushnell.com. That's B-R-I-T-T-A-B-U-S-H-N-E-L-L.com. If you haven't had a chance to listen to part one, you can find it on iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms. Leave us a review. It helps our ranking so that new moms can find us. And subscribe so you can get notified about next week's episode. We're going to have Sir Ken Robinson on the podcast. He was knighted by Queen Elizabeth II, y'all. He has the most watched TED Talk ever, Do Schools Kill Creativity, and is the New York Times bestselling author of The Element. We talk about findings from his brand new book, You, Your Child, and School. Navigate your way to the best education. Because our kids are getting slammed with homework and standardized tests, and we talk about what are the ways in which our educational system is failing our kids. Like, what are the ways we need to change this? He's really pushing for a revolution in the classroom, and he emphasizes the importance of play And Sir Ken Robinson also argues as to why dance is as important as math. So that's next week's. Uh, Go ahead and join our Atomic Moms Facebook group, our little community. And if you feel generous, please share these episodes. Let other moms know about Atomic Moms. Please uh, share on your other Facebook groups and um, get annoying. Do it for me. Please help us spread the word. All right, until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Atomic Moms.